0: It's The Night Talker with Trey Ellie. Coming up on episode number 76 of The Night Talker. 1045, where are we at in society? Considering how often we get screwed by the airlines, I always have to give props to anyone who exploits the loopholes in their shady system. 10:15. It is the first of my two-segment chat with stand-up comedian Bruce Bruce ahead of his shows at Cap City Comedy Club this weekend. And coming up in seconds, more from SEC Media Days, including Horns Down getting brought up as a potential penalty. Thanks a lot, Tom Herman. And is a key Dallas Cowboys player about to sit out training camp? I am your host, Trey Elling. You can give me a follow on Twitter at Courtesy Wave, and do the same for ESPN Austin at 1027 ESPN. Even though the Texas Longhorns are not at SEC Media Days this year, with this year's SEC Media Days being held in Nashville, Tennessee, next year it's going to be in Dallas at the Omni Hotel. Even though Texas and Oklahoma are not a part of this year's Media Days, Their names are still being brought up from time to time. It is day three of four for SEC Media Days. And it feels like, and perhaps this is just a selfish observation because I'm paying closer attention to any time the Longhorns get brought up, but it does feel like Texas is getting brought up more than Oklahoma. And we have another example of that that actually happened yesterday that we're just going to go ahead and get to today because as much as it irks me to see this brought up year after year, it's still worth paying attention to because it does help provide a sort of path to what is or what is not a potential penalty as it pertains to taunting Texas Longhorns. We have to go back several years to when Tom Herman insisted that Even doing the horns down should be considered a penalty because even if you're not doing it into a guy's face, you are taunting the opposition by turning their proud hand symbol upside down. And it's turned into a running joke over the years because everybody feels like all Texas fans are pushing for the horns down to be a 15-yard taunting penalty regardless of the circumstance. Most of the Longhorn fans I know either don't care or say if it is a penalty, It should only be a penalty in certain situations. Situations where doing anything in a guy's face becomes a penalty. So John McDade, the SEC's coordinator of officials, and this is according to Brett McMurphy of Stadium from yesterday, was asked about penalizing the horns-down signal. Starting in 2024, when the Longhorns and Sooners enter the uh, conference. Here's this quote. Unsportsmanlike conduct needs to fit one of three categories. Is it taunting an opponent? Is it making a travesty of the game? Is it otherwise compromising our ability to manage the game? There's a difference between a player giving a signal directly in the face of an opponent, as opposed to doing it with teammates celebrating after a touchdown or on the sideline. To net all that out, every single occurrence is not an act of unsportsmanlike conduct. He said the same thing applies to players displaying the gator chomp and land shark signals too. So there you have it, Longhorn fans. It's not a uniform 15-yard penalty anytime one of our opponents does a horns down. After they do something good against the Longhorns or in the Sooners case, anytime they do something in general, whether or not they're facing Texas, that has become their unofficial hand signal. To Do it in somebody's face, you're going to get the penalty. I think that's fair. I would maybe tweak it even more. Like it's got to be a real in your face taunting for whatever it is that you're doing to your opponent for me to want to see a 15 yard penalty flag. But if you direct it towards another player, that's considered taunting. You're going to get rung up for that. Your coach is going to be ticked off at you for not using better judgment in that situation. By the way, Alabama did show up at media days today. Nick Saban remaining coy about his quarterback situation. Speaking of giving Longhorn fans nightmares, he talks about giving the cake time to bake, which harkens back to, what, Charlie Strong's final year in Austin? Or maybe it was after that final season where he talks about the cake cake being ready to bake. Cake is mixed up, ready to bake. I don't remember what it was exactly. I try and push that out of my collective memory. But Nick Saban uh, is not naming a starting quarterback, said things still need to play out in fall camp between Notre Dame transfer Tyler Buckner as well as Jalen Milrow and Ty Simpson. So we shall see about that. On the professional football side of things, potential issue for the Dallas Cowboys as they gear up for the 2023 season, there is a chance that they are going to be without one of the most important players on their roster for at least the start of training camp. That is because according to ESPN's Adam Schefter, all pro offensive lineman Zach Martin is considering holding out from training camp because he's unhappy with his contract. The six-time All-Pro feels that he is woefully underpaid relative to the market. And not only is Zach Martin an All-Pro and the one staple that still exists on that offensive line. I know Tyron Smith is still technically there, but is he really when he's missing half the team's games with injuries? He's also a team captain. And he is set to make around $13 million this season. The problem with that, even though you do look around and say, well, he's the one who signed the contract a few years ago. He actually restructured his contract in March to help the Cowboys clear salary cap space. And he's frustrated that to return the favor, the Cowboys aren't bumping his pay at all. And I completely understand where he's coming from when I learn that the top guards in the NFL make around $20 million a year. So even if you're not getting him to that number necessarily, getting him closer than $13 million a season, I think, is a reasonable ask. Again, team captain, the bedrock of that offensive line, and in some years, one of the only guys who was actually performing with any level of consistency. And now you're risking... Rocking the boat by not having him out there with his teammates for training camp or part of training camp. I'm Jerry and Steven Jones. I am working to see what I can do right now, even if he's not necessarily making more this year, restructuring that deal or providing him more guaranteed money while also bumping that average annual pay to something closer to $20 million a year. Even though he's in his early 30s now, offensive linemen can remain very effective into their mid or late 30s. And I haven't heard any Cowboys fans talking about the end being near for Zach Martin. I mean, we've been hearing it about Tyron Smith for several years now. Even me as somebody who is not a Cowboys fan. I've recognized Tyron Smith, you don't need to rely too heavily on him anymore. Any rep that you get from him during the season is a bonus rep. You'll probably get him for the first month of the season, then sporadically after that. Zach Martin is crucial. Like You let a guy like Zeke walk, completely understandable. Even doing it to Tyron, I think it would make a lot of sense. You cannot let Zach Martin be unhappy heading into training camp, especially after he has shown just how much of a team player he is to restructure his deal, to allow you to make other deals this offseason. You got to figure out a way to make that right if you're the Dallas Cowboys right now. All right, coming up on the other side, we take a break from sports for another conversation with a hilarious stand-up comedian. Bruce Bruce has been at it for decades now, and he's bringing that talent to Cap City Comedy Club this weekend. We'll talk with Bruce Bruce coming up next. It's the Night Talker with Trey Elling.
1: It's the Night Talker with
0: Trey Elling. Bruce Bruce is a comedian who has been at the stand-up game for more than three decades, and he is bringing his talents back to Austin this weekend, performing at Cap City Comedy Club in the Domain. Two shows on Friday, two shows on Saturday, and a show on Sunday. Go to capcitycomedy.com for tickets and more info. Bruce, thank you so much for the time. How you doing today? I'm
1: doing well. How about you, man?
0: I'm doing great. It's exciting to uh, have you come into Austin this weekend to uh, perform over the course of three nights at Cap City Comedy Club. Before we get oh, yeah. into uh, Austin's burgeoning comedy scene, though, I do have to ask you, because I just saw this on Instagram. Uh, you just took part in uh, Burt Kreischer's Fully Loaded Festival. I think you were at the uh, the Gorge Stop. Just how much fun is that? Because it looks like a freaking blast based on pictures.
1: Oh. Well, I actually did three dates with him. I did uh, Salt Lake City, Utah, and... Um uh Bosie, Idaho and then the Gorge. Too. Let me tell you man, it was so much fun. It was. It, w- it was his his production company was well put together. You didn't have to ask for anything. They was just on it. Mm-hmm. And when you we talking 15,000 people each night and they came out to see um Albert and Bert is an amazing guy and I had so much fun. I didn't want to leave. Why would she tell me to come back? I want to come back and do it again. I really would. If he said, hey, man, I do it. Would you do it again? I, I would run to the city. I wouldn't even fly. I would just run there because yeah, I mean, it was just amazing. It was amazing.
0: The Gorge has a reputation. It's kind of like Red Rocks in Colorado. It has a reputation as one of those places that needs to be on people's bucket list for live performances. But I've mostly heard about that for the sake of live music. How did that play uh, on the comedy side of things?
1: It went very well, man. People was there uh, sitting on the grass, sitting in their seats, uh, enjoying the comedy, and they they was listening to you. And they would show you love in the middle of a set. You could do a joke and 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 just kind of finish the joke. And they just give you a standing ovation in the middle of the joke. People was enjoying it. But they had one guy there. He was a one-man band. This dude was amazing. Huh. And he, he played the drums. He played the guitar and the keyboard at the same time. And he sung with it. So this dude was amazing, man. They enjoyed him a lot. He did uh, uh, the animation. And then Bert came out when he did his thing. When he took his shirt off, everybody took their shirt off. So it was cool. It was cool. It was cool. I didn't take mine off.
0: <laughs> that is crazy <laughs> to hear about the evolution Of his act. I don't know if he still does it now that the movie is out too, but obviously uh, ending his act with the machine story every time, taking Uh the shirt mm -hmm. off at the beginning. You know, it's Mm -hmm. one of those things where in comedy as you're well aware because you've put out so many great specials over the years and your act continues to evolve. Most comedians cannot get away with telling the same joke over and over again over the years, but uh, that's just how special that machine story is and just kind of reflects who Bert is as a person too.
1: Yeah, and you know what's so cool about it? He would come on stage with a shirt on. He had the <laughs> shirt on, and then he he'll, he'll drink him a beer. He'll turn sideways, drink him a beer. When he throw the cup away, the shirt comes off with it. I mean, and everybody lose their mind. And I happen to look in the audience, and it's ten thousand people with their shirt off. Oh man, you know, they took their shirt off for it, man. They they love this guy, man, and and they should because uh, he's funny. Um, he's he's friendly. And and he's just an amazing comedian, man. And thumbs up, two thumbs up to Bert.
0: And he's proven himself as one of those people who's really looking out for his fellow comedians too in the process, like even going back to the to the start of covid, where he was trying to figure out how to make it work for himself and others by doing those drive in shows. And those turned out to be a Mm -hmm. really popular thing. In California and then across the country, too. So it's really cool to hear uh, that he is continuing that with this fully loaded tour and getting so many different great comedians involved in the process. You just said 10,000 people at the Gorge. I would be shocked if that's the most people that you've ever performed in front of, as many people as that is. What's the biggest crowd that you've ever performed stand-up in front of?
1: Well, I I did um, 12,000, 13,000, but at the Gorge, it was 15,000. Oh, my gosh. Oh, it was 15,000. It was like 10,000 that took their shirt off. (laughs) Well <laughs> it, it it was it was fifteen thousand there man and and I mean it was amazing everybody came for to have a very good time and they did man and you know Bert he got a standing ovation in the middle of the set and he kind of shared some tears because he felt the love that the people was giving him mm-hmm. and um he shared some tears and they they throw their hands up and say do your thing, Bert, and he went on and did the machine.
0: What's it like to have 15,000 people laugh at something that you said?
1: Hey, man, it's the best thing we're Now, let me tell you the coolest thing about 15,000 people laughing at what I said. I was the only black guy there. <laughs> you know, what I'm saying? I was the only black dude there. And guess what? They knew exactly who I was. Yeah, And they showed me the love and they enjoyed my comedy, man. When I walked off that stage, man, hey, I was standing 10 feet tall, man.
0: Hmm. Well, Bruce, that's not a surprise. I mean, I try not to throw this word around too much, but you are a, a legend in the business at this point. And, yeah, you performed and you performed for crowds large and small all across the country. You're going to be mm-hmm. here at Cap City Comedy Club this weekend. I feel like I have seen your name on the Cap City Comedy Club marquee in the past when oh, it was yeah. at the oh, yeah. old location. Uh mm-hmm. You have performed in Austin before so what are your impressions of the uh, the comedy scene here in Austin?
1: Well let me tell you when I first came to Austin the first time I did Cap City this was in the old building it sold completely out I was yeah. I was I was so shocked and and then I had to add shows and those shows so I added like two shows and they mm-hmm. sold out. so I haven't been to the new spot yet so this is my first time coming to the new spot and I'm expecting the same identical thing when I first came there 20 years ago. So I'm expecting the same thing and I'm going to tell you the people are going to get a great show. I got two amazing comedians that travel with me, uh, Bryson Brown and Ira Coleman, and these guys are amazing. So the people that come out to the Cap City Comedy Club this weekend, you're in for a great, great show.
0: Let me just tell you, too, because, look, I loved the old venue. Um, It was in a weird part of town, but it still had its own special charm. So R.I.P. to the old venue. What the Helium folks have done and coming in and reopening Cap City in the domain, which is kind of turning into a second downtown in Austin, and mm-hmm. just how beautifully set up that space is. And I say this also knowing that Joe Rogan's Comedy Club is impressing a lot of people right now. It is as nice as anywhere in town to see a stand-up show. They've got a bit of the theater seating set up. Uh, they've got an upstairs area. The downstairs area is great. Mm, they've got it cool. really that's well cool. insulated to allow the laughs to resonate in the room, but not to echo too much. Yeah, you're in for a, a real treat uh, just in terms of how well this room has been set up by the Helium people. Plus, they're doing a great job of, uh, of booking Weekends, too, getting guys like you coming into town, which uh, which obviously you have uh, such an immaculate reputation.
1: Yeah, man, it's going to be fun. I'm excited to see it because I got word from other comedians who have been there and they say, man, it's amazing. You're going to knock them out the box. So I'm ready for it.
0: Bruce, uh, you have a reputation as somebody who uh who doesn't do a whole lot of cussing on stage and I respect the heck out of that. I'm not opposed to uh, a comedian who respects, nece- who uh cusses necessarily, but uh mm-hmm. w- did you make a conscious decision at the start of your career that you were going to work less blue than uh some of your uh contemporaries?
1: No, no, I didn't. Uh actually that's just what me on stage is who I am, really. Mm. I'm like that everyday life. This is not an act. I do curse every now and then. You know, I might say, you know, a little bit nothing vulgar or Nothing disrespectful, but no, this is how I am. When people see me on stage, this is Bruce Bruce. This is the life I live every day. This is the life I live in my family and and around my friends. It's not a front. So I might say something stupid in the middle of a dinner or something. They just know it's me. So no, <laughs> I never made it um, a decision not to be blue. I just thought I'd just be me because when it's genuine, people are gonna laugh.
0: What's the most taboo subject you've covered in your act over the years? Oh, my goodness gracious.
1: Uh, When I talk about uh, relationships and sex, (laughs) when I talk about relationship and sex, let me tell you, brother, it's so funny. But people go like, oh, you know what? He's right. But it's funny. So I'm going to do a little bit. um, I'm going to do something this weekend. So if you get a chance to come out and see it, you're going to have fun.
0: Bruce, uh, how many kids do you have? I have three kids, two boys and a girl. How old are they? My baby
1: girl is 30, 38. My baby boy is 39. My oldest son is 42. Shoot, are you a granddad now at this point? Oh, I have 10 grandchildren. What? Yes. People don't believe it when I say it because they, you know, they say I don't look my age, but let me tell you, man, the grandkids are the best thing that ever happened to me, man.
0: Yeah, because grandkids are great because you get to spoil them rotten and then hand them back to their parents at the end of the day.
1: Absolutely, man. It's not my job to chastise my grandkids. That's not my job. (laughs) My job is to spoil them, give them whatever they want, and say, "Hey, granddaddy, love you." That's it. That's it. It's their parents' job to chastise them.
0: Yeah, you get to be good cop twenty four seven.
1: Absolutely, that good cop, bad cop. I'm a good cop, and their parents is the bad cop.
0: <laughs> so, uh, as somebody who has obviously done it for a while now, you've got uh, three kids in the late 30s or early 40s, ten grandkids now. What do you think a key Absolutely. is? What do you think a key is to really good parenting?
1: Um. Communicating is the key thing to parenting. To communicating with your kids, talk to your kids, not at your kids. See, we got we have a bad habit of you know yelling at our kids and telling them you know you're you're stupid stuff like that. that's not the way to do it. Talk to them. Have your kids in a position in their life where they're not scared to talk to you. Because when it's time when trouble come in, they will not be scared to tell you. Sometimes kids are so afraid of their parents. They don't, they won't tell them situations, and then by the time they tell them, it's too late. So we need to you need to have a a, a, a relationship with your children. Well, hey, you can tell me anything, and I can tell you anything, and spend time with your kids. You know, it's it's not about you know when guys when husband and wives break up. Okay, I'm gonna pay child support. And I'm taking no 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 no. It's more than child support. It's about spending time spending time with your kids, going to pick them up talking to them, taking them places, being with them. That's what parenting is all about.
0: He is stand-up comedian Bruce Bruce, performing at Cap City Comedy Club this weekend. Two shows Friday, two shows Saturday, a show on Sunday. Go to capcitycomedy.com for tickets. Coming up, more with Bruce on the other side. Proving good things do happen on the radio after 10 p.m. It's The Night Talker with Trey Elling on
1: 1027 ESPN. It's The Night Talker with Trey
0: Elling. Back with stand-up comedian Bruce Bruce. He's going to be at Cap City Comedy Club this weekend. Two shows on Friday, two shows Saturday, and a show on Sunday. Go to capcitycomedy.com for tickets and more info. Bruce, we were just talking about parenthood and the importance of you being there for your kids when they were younger. You're obviously somebody who's been at this for 30 plus years at this point, which goes mm-hmm. back to your kids' childhoods. Was it a matter mm-hmm. of you uh, you having to go from one place to another on the weekends, making sure that you were maximi- maximizing your time with your kids when you were actually there during the week <clears throat> then?
1: I really did, man. And, um, I stayed with them. I called them every single day, Mm. maybe two or three times a day, and um, and they was waiting on the call. You know, like when I called them, like Daddy on the phone, Daddy, Daddy, my little girl, like Daddy's on the phone because she she was really the ringleader. You know, she was a baby, but she ran the house. You know what I mean? So (laughs) she's like, Daddy, Daddy's on the phone. You need, he's calling us now. So, you know, communicating is cool, man. Like my kids are, they're all out of school. They got, they went to college and. They they live a great life. And my daughter, um, she has three children who um, um, she's 38. She's been married. She's been married 17 years. And her oldest son is 17. Her next son is 12. Get ready to be 13. Her daughter is six. And they speak English, Chinese and Japanese. What? Yes. So it's all about parenting and spending time with your children. And it is so simple to them. When I when I ask them something, they're like, "Oh, no, no problem, I can do it." You know, my my seventeen year old grandson, he's got a four point seven grade point average, four point seven. Oh my god! He's a senior in high school now, and he speaks Chinese and Japanese and English.
0: And we're talking about black kids. How many? How much Chinese do you know?
1: Uh, one word, hi. That means yes. <laughs> That's it. <laughs>
0: There are so many different uh, unique challenges to these times for parents, but I feel like a, a challenge that really even does go back 30 plus years is teaching your kids the value of failure, teaching them to be present, but you also have to allow them to make mistakes along the way too, especially when they're kids. And that's that's hard for parents to do because you don't want to see your kids suffer through hardships, but you also understand that they need to struggle to learn how to succeed, right? And Mm -hmm. uh, hopefully, we're applying that to ourselves, too, in the process. Absolutely. And and, and you got to let your kids know,
1: it's okay to be afraid. You know, like, if something that you never did before, and you're nervous about it, that's really a good sign, because you never did it before. So it's okay to be afraid, you know, but... Put your head, put yourself together, get your mind together, and just do it. And once you do, you like, hey, you know what? I did it. It was cool. Like exactly. now, I've been doing comedy over over thirty five years, and to this day, I still have the butterflies in my stomach when I go on stage. So that's a very good sign.
0: Yeah, that, that is a healthy feeling. As a matter of fact, so I have an eight-year-old daughter and a six-year-old son oh, yeah. at home right now. And so we're in the yeah. summertime in Texas, which means that if we're outside, it's hopefully in or near a swimming pool. And uh, the pool that we go to requires kids to basically be connected to their parents if they can't pass a swim test. So my daughter, mm-hmm. she's like a little fish, a little mermaid. She's, been, she's passed a swim test for a couple years now. It's not a problem for her. Well, this is the first year that my son had a realistic chance to pass this swim test. And at the start of the summer, we go to this pool. We're talking about how we're going to try the swim test and we don't do it the first time we're going to try again. And the caveat here is if you don't pass the swim test, you can't go down this like water park level slide that exists at this pool. So right. we get there and he's like, I don't think I'm going to do the swim test. I said, why? He said, I'm just not feeling it today. I said, are you not feeling it today? Or are you scared? And he said, no, I'm just not feeling it today. Well, we get up to the point where the swim test is. And I'm like, look, dude, you don't have to pass. It's not a big deal, but let's do it right now. And he starts crying and tells tells me how afraid he is of this. I said, son, mm-hmm. that's completely understandable. You probably should be a little right. bit afraid right now. But right. I think that if you believe in yourself, that you're going to be surprised at what you can accomplish. So Absolutely. he wipes, wipes the tears away, does the swim test the first time, doesn't pass you basically have to do a lap in this lap or in this uh this pool that where you can go back and forth doing laps you have to make it down once and he makes it about three-fourths of the way and when he got out of the water he looked down at the end and was surprised at how far he had gotten so later that same day bruce we walk up to the slide because he's like can we go down the slide together i'm like i don't know we can check i don't think so though i think you have to pass that swim test we go Mm -hmm. over to the slide sure enough you have to be able to pass the swim test to go down the slide. Two people can't go down it together. So once he finds that out, he said immediately, I want to do the swim test again. And I said, are you sure? He's like, yeah. Goes and does the swim test, nails it. There was one point where he was thinking about quitting again, but he actually did it, went through it. It's One of the proudest moments of my entire life watching him accomplish this. And he gets out of the pool and all of a sudden... I see that confidence on his shoulders going forward, not just in and around water, but because of that sense of accomplishment. So I set all of that up because you just talked about fear, Bruce, to ask you this question Mm -hmm. because everybody has at least that one big fear. You mentioned the butterflies before you go on stage. Mm -hmm. Stand-up comedy doesn't uh, scare you though, necessarily. Everybody does Mm -hmm. have that one fear. I fear unrealized dreams. My wife fears clowns, which doesn't make a whole lot of sense because she's married to me. (laughs) My question for you is, what is your biggest fear?
1: Uh, my biggest fear is, uh, living a good life. I want to live a very good life. I've seen so much happen in my life and I avoid anything that's not good. And I don't go any places in my life. If I know I'm not wanted or people don't like me, I stay away from it. So my thing is just, just, just live a good life. Well, you know, you and I have seen, um, ancestors, you know, relatives, you know, go through all type of sickness and you try to avoid that. And that's what life is all about to me. just make it right. Learn from other people's situations.
0: And then also learning from your own mistakes as well. Do you have a moment of failure from your life that uh, still sticks out all these years later? And if so, what was the lesson that you took from that?
1: Amen. To teach my kids and my grandkids about that in life and just be careful. My, my uncle used to tell me when I was a kid, he said, Look, I know you want to do a certain thing. Like he said, But I'm gonna give you the good and the bad and the ugly. He said, So you got sense enough to make the right decision. And he would give me the good and bad and the ugly about a situation. He said, So what do you think about it? And he'll let me pick it. Mm. And I'd be like, I'm gonna do this. He like, that's what I'm talking about. He said, You're smart enough to make sense. He said, So when you make a decision, look at the good and the bad and the ugly before you do anything.
0: Hmm. And that yeah. really does help to foster a, uh, a level of independence. that seems to be a bit of a lost art at this point. Like if somebody doesn't have a screen directly in front of their face, it's like they're completely lost in this world. Right, right. Bruce, you've been doing stand-up for what? Uh, since the early 1990s, late 80s?
1: Yeah, uh, almost 34, 35 years.
0: 35 years. So, going back into I- the late 1980s now, um, just how much different is the world of stand up from when you started 35 years oh. ago?
1: I mean, let me just say this to answer that question in a nutshell if I would have had social media hmm. 35 years ago, I probably will be big as my favorite comedian, which was Milton Burrow. Mm. You know, I grew up in the hood. So, you know, a black kid like Milton Burrow, they thought I was crazy. <laughs> but Milton Burrow was, he was, he was a godfather to me. He was a, he was a great comedian. I think I would be bigger than Andrew Dice Clay was in his prime. And um, social media have took it to a whole nother level with these comedians. But the thing is with the comedians, They work the social media very well, but the key thing about social media, when you do this social media and people loving you, when they come see you, make sure you have something to give back other than what you're showing on social media.
0: That is a great piece of advice for any comedians working right now. I actually heard um, Mark Normand and Sam Marill Mm -hmm. talking about this with somebody the other day because they put out a lot of content on Instagram, I guess, and Twitter, but most of what they put out is crowd work, which is good Mm -hmm. because you're not burning through material that then people who come to see your show know what the punchline is, which is obviously going to subdue their response to uh, when you get to the funny part of whatever it is they're saying.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely
0: you do much in the way of crowd work? Like people who are going oh, to Cap absolutely. City this weekend, are they going to see you uh, messing with folks in the crowd?
1: Yes, yes. I am the king of it. Yes, you're going to see a lot of that. But it's nothing um, disrespectful or offensive. It's just crowd work. It's just funny. Uh, I'm going to pick on your clothes, your shoes. You know, you might have one of the nicest shoes and the nicest clothes, and I find something funny about it. So, yeah, you're going to see a lot of that this weekend.
0: All right, I, can you can you actually see me right now? We're doing this be soon, but you're on the phone. Okay. Uh mm-hmm. I'm going to take it as a badge of honor if you're able to do this, but uh w- will you crowd work me right now? I'm sorry if I'm putting you on the spot here, but uh you well, are Well,
1: you know, uh, if, especially if you're there and you're the only white dude there, oh, you're going to stick out like a sore thumb. I'm like, <laughs> "Hey, did you did you come to the wrong show?" You know what I'm saying? So, but <laughs> that's what I probably would tell you, but um I have a a totally crossover crowd which is really, really good. It's something i worked on for years because one thing I learned about comedy is not a black, white thing. It's funny. It's all about funny. If it's funny, it's fine. People think I'm crazy. I am a Mike Myers fan, right? Mm. I love Wayne's world. I love Wayne's world. I love Austin power. You know, people, people look at me, are you crazy? No, this dude is funny. He was clever. He was, he was brilliant.
0: Yeah, baby. Well, he is Bruce Bruce. If you haven't already, make sure to go to capcitycomedy.com to snag yourself some tickets to his shows this weekend. Two shows on Friday, two shows on Saturday, and a show on Sunday. Obviously worth the price of admission. Also, make sure to check out his website for uh, all the social media follows, other dates, and uh, links to the specials that exist at bruce-bruce.com. Bruce, Bruce, thank you so much for the time today, man. This has been a real pleasure.
1: Hey, man, thanks for having me, man, and I hope I see you this weekend.
0: Coming up and Where Are We At In Society, the airline industry loves to screw us. So I got to give credit when I hear of somebody exploiting a loophole and how the airline industry does things. It's The Night Talker with Trey Elling.
1: It's The Night Talker with Trey Elling.
0: Final segment of tonight's show means it's time for... Where are we at in society today? That's right. It is our nightly look at stories that show we as a people are headed in a bad direction. Very occasionally, I will give you a story that provides a sense of optimism that has us all saying to ourselves, hey, maybe we as a people are starting to figure something out. Perhaps all is not lost. But sadly, tonight is not that night. I gave you one of those stories last night. You think you're going to get two of those in a row? Absolutely freaking lootly not. And we start tonight, I guess technically in North Carolina. Really, it's with the airline industry. Because even though many of us are reliant on the airline industry, to help get us from point A to point B in a reasonable amount of time. Yes, it costs money, but time is money. and I would much rather pay an extra couple hundred bucks to get to Denver in two hours versus making what amounts to a long day or a reasonable two-day drive to get there, especially with kids in tow. But I also know that airlines take just about every chance possible to squeeze us, the customer, for everything that we're worth. It happens with extra legroom now, it happens with extra bags. If you find a cheap enough airline, they are literally charging for everything, including water, every piece of luggage, carry ons. I mean, it really is fascinating to see just how that industry goes about conducting its business. There are even stories now of them trying to reconfigure airplanes to jam more people into these planes. They've already made the seats more narrow, which is, I guess, okay for somebody like me. I can still fit in the seat, but in obese America, you're going to get these. Some of these people in their saddlebags, less room to plop down on an airplane. So that's already happening. They're talking about stacking seats on top of one another now. Where you're literally, if you're in the, I guess, the lower part of that setup, you are staring at the bottom of the seat of the person in front of you. And the person who's in the top part of that setup, I guess pun intended, has a leg up on things. But I always love to hear about when people pull one over on the system set up within the airline industry. I used to do it 15 years ago when I realized that you could get that extra legroom without paying for it by booking yourself in the exit row. Now they charge you for the exit row. So not only are you being charged for the legroom, you're essentially paying more to have the responsibility of helping everybody else get out of the airplane if something were to happen. Doesn't seem fair, but it's what the airline industry does. They closed that loophole, unfortunately, in like the last 10 years because that was one that I exploited the you-know-what out of. So I got to give credit to those who have been doing something recently called skip lagging. You're probably aware of this if you booked a flight, but you get to fly, let's say, from Austin to Chicago or New York for a little bit cheaper usually if you are willing to get a connecting flight. Those direct flights oftentimes do cost more. It's ridiculous because theoretically what you're paying for is that spot on the plane and also the fuel that is being used to get from point A to point B. But these airlines have to fill the planes up to then force ticket prices to be at more of a premium. It is a dirty system and one that's some people have been exploiting for the last several years now. It's something called skip lagging. It is a hack where you essentially book a flight, let's say, from, we'll use this instance here. Logan Parsons is 17, and he was recently detained and banned by American Airlines for three years for engaging in skip lagging. Logan was in Florida, but he's from Charlotte, North Carolina. So Logan, seeing how expensive flights were to Charlotte, North Carolina, booked a flight to New York City for significantly cheaper that had a stopover in Charlotte. He was flying from Gainesville to New York. But unfortunately, Logan never even got on the first leg of that flight, which would have been the only leg for him because Logan was going to get on this flight with one stop to Charlotte, and he was just going to leave the airport in Charlotte, not even get on his New York City flight. But American Airlines caught on to him, and they actually detained him in Gainesville, Florida, accusing him of skip lagging. His dad, Hunter Parsons, told a media outlet that American Airlines imposed a three-year ban because he was planning on using a $150 skip lagging ticket, which has been prohibited by the airlines. Of course it has been. But you're working the system, and that's definitely what they don't want to happen. They don't want the jig to be up on this charade, that you're paying more For a single flight than you are two different flights. The math doesn't add up. From Logan's dad, Hunter. His ticket was canceled and he was banned from American Airlines for three years. But never actually did anything wrong. He never even got his boarding pass. Airline gate agents in Gainesville took Logan to a security room to be questioned. After noticing his North Carolina driver's license. And suspecting he wouldn't continue on to JFK Airport from Charlotte. The dad also said that he had to buy a new direct ticket, which cost more than $400, so from $150 to $400, so his son could fly to Charlotte. Logan, quote, didn't know he was doing anything wrong, the dad said. He was left to fend for himself 500 miles from home. He never violated any policy or broke any contract. He simply went to a counter to get his boarding pass. Skip lagging, as... You have already heard up to now is a cost cutting method in which a passenger books a flight's layover as the true destination rather than continuing to the ticketed destination. The dad even admitted we've used Skip Lagged almost exclusively for the last five to eight years. Which is and Skiplagged is a search engine that helps travelers expose the inefficiencies in airline pricing. So the airlines have been against this for at least a couple of years now. As a matter of fact, American, who is the airline that detained and banned this poor kid for three years from using their airline. They came out in 2021 saying that they were cracking down on skip lagging. Company said in a statement, quote, purchasing a ticket without intending to fly all flights to gain lower fares also known as Hidden City Ticketing, is a violation of American Airlines' terms and conditions and is outlined in our Conditions of Carriage online. Logan's dad also said that his family had never abused the Hidden City tickets they bought to save money, adding that his son disembarking in Charlotte would have been the first time someone in his family would have skipped the final leg of a flight. Huh. So you've been using skip lagged for years, but you haven't been skipping out on the final. I don't know if I completely agree with dad on that or I completely believe dad on that one, but that's what he says. He insists we've seen every flight through to its final destination. Never once, even now, have we missed a connecting flight, nor did we know we were breaking a contract if we were to have done it. In 2015, United Airlines filed a lawsuit against Skip Lag's founder, alleging the service promoted strictly prohibited travel as well as unfair competition. But thankfully, really am I saying that about something being ruled in Illinois. An Illinois judge threw it out because the guy or the uh, the founder of Skip Lag was not doing or living, doing business or living in the area. So there you have it. Thinking about skip lagging, kids? Think again. Final story tonight. It's back in the 1990s that the urban legend existed, that Marilyn Manson had uh, his two lower ribs removed to be able to, I don't know, bend a little bit further down with his mouth on his body, and we'll keep it at that. Even though it is after 10 o'clock, I think going any further than that is going to only cause me problems. I haven't heard a whole lot about rib removal since then until now, where Notre Dame quarterback Sam Hartman, the sixth-year transfer from Wake Forest, had a rib surgically removed late last year. Since then, he switched schools and started practicing with the Fighting Irish. But even though the rib is no longer a part of his person, it's not out of his life for good. That's right. You're probably asking yourself, what happened to the rib? If I get a rib removed, I'm probably going to try and keep it, turn it into some sort of relic. And that's exactly what Sam's mom has done. She is in possession of the bone and is planning on turning it into a necklace. That will be ready in a few weeks ahead of Notre Dame's season opener against Navy on August 26th in Dublin, Ireland. Good luck to Sam, his family, and his football team. Sands that rib. That was inflaming an injury. That is it for another Night Talker. Thank you so much for listening. We'll be back tomorrow at 10 with Adam Wagner joining me. In the meantime, have yourself a great rest of the night and sweet dreams. It's The Night Talker with Trey Elling.